Welcome to episode two of the Educational Disparities Podcast. The podcast featuring formal conversations with professionals and leaders in the educational sector to discuss educational disparities. My name is Aladrian Kemp, and today I will be sharing the conclusion to my interview with Dr. Toya Constant, where she will share her perspective on remedies to close the achievement gap. Dr. Toya Constant is an educational psychologist and adjunct professor at Texas Southern University, clinical assistant professor, and program manager of the Human Development and Family Studies Program at the University of Houston's College of Education. Moreover, Dr. Constant founded two educational mentor programs, Ed Psych in Real Life and Strong Men of Valor, to allow college students and professionals to mentor youth in the greater third ward area of Houston, Texas. In this episode, Dr. Constant shares her perspective on ways to close the achievement gap, Dr. Constant's views are her own as a private citizen and do not reflect her current, former, or future employer's views. Without further ado, here is the conclusion to Dr. Constant's interview. Thank you again, Dr. Constant, for joining us for episode two in Educational Disparities Podcast. I look forward to our follow-up conversation as we discuss closing the achievement gap. Dr. Constant, what is your perspective on closing the achievement gap? So my perspective on closing the achievement gap, again, is this multifaceted approach that that it's going to take all of us. It's going to take um, people working um, in the schools, people working in the research institutions, administrators, uh, lawmakers, uh, advocates. It, it, it is a um, an issue that, um, you know, one certain task force for lack of better term terminology cannot take on by themselves because you know the problem is not just you know doled out from one institution it's a multifaceted problem and so um to address the achievement gap i think it really i, I think texas has um has the right thoughts in mind mm -hmm. as far as where we need to go as far as not leaving anybody behind. But when it comes to some of the implementation or the evaluations or the assessment or what we're regarding as um, growth or gaps, I think that's when we, where some work really can be done in this current moment. Um, you know, especially again, since the pandemic has shed a light on so many gaps. Uh, I think this is a great opportunity for those who are in those positions to make the changes, um, to really evaluate how things were being done before and how now can we reach our students to lessen that gap and, and again, to ensure that all our students that we engage with have an equal opportunity to achieve, you know, academic success. And that is a daunting task. And that's why it is a multifaceted approach. It's multi-leveled. It's going to take many persons uh, um, to solve the issue. And it, it's going to take some um, trial and error. As I stated, I've lived in Texas for a number of years. Uh, I've, you know, came through the public education system, um, you know, went to an open admissions college uh, have always attended public institutions and so um, you know there are some things in place that 
I think the system is doing good, um, but we also need to recognize um, those areas in, in which we can definitely improve upon. And again, it's really addressing those gaps. And how do we do that? Well, there, there's not a there's not a straight laced answer uh, for that. But again, it really starts with understanding that it's going to take a village to to remedy the achievement gap. It's going to take parents. It's going to take the principals. It's going to take the maintenance lady who works at the campus because everybody has to have a buy in to this notion of academic success. And so, again, multifaceted, multilayered, uh, very different solutions for different student populations because what may work for my Houston ISD may not work for um, Pearland ISD, may not work for an ISD in North Dallas. And so it's really the recognition of uh, understanding who the student population is and then tailoring a response that is, um, you know, specifically to address their particular issues. Um, and an example of that is here in Houston, we're a very diverse uh, community. We have lots of students who come from different linguistic backgrounds. Um, we know that research finds that sometimes this barrier in language can cause uh, additional um, you know, increases in that gap for some students. And so we wanna make sure that for Houston ISD, that we have a solution that is tailor fit for our student population, again, which may not mirror um, a, a, an ISD in North Dallas or East Texas or in the Panhandle. So again, there's not a one size fits all solution, but I think collectively, um, if we begin to look at the data, uh, understand our student populations, uh, think of um, you know assessments and evaluation tools that truly, um, you know, evaluate um, certain areas in which we want our students to master, then I think we can, um, again, work to lessen that gap uh, uh, of achievement as far as it pertains to those students who are underserved or uh, underrepresented. I agree. And I, I thank you for making this statement that it takes a village. It, do, it really does take a village, not just at home, but in the community, at school, everybody plays a role in this. So thank you for sharing that. So the last question I have for you. <laughs> okay. So numerous studies have shown increases in student achievement through various instructional strategies, um, such as small class sizes, um, use of standard-based practices in science and math, detracting, teacher expectations, uh, the use of mentors, which we know you have programs regarding that, um, focusing on achievement and college preparation and providing extra support. How can we help school administrators and teachers to implement these practices in their schools? So I think that's a, a wonderful question and, you know, all those different approaches to lessening the achievement gap, um, as you know, are um, what, you know, great ways that actually work, right, that are very much research based, um, you know, proven ways that can increase or decrease that achievement gap and increase student outcomes. And so how do we get school administrators and schools to buy into this notion, right? And again, it really comes from, and I keep going back to this, um, educating the educator, um, 
you know, being a part of the communities in which you want to impact as opposed to um, taking kind of this top-down approach or Robin Hood approach as it's been referred to sometimes that, um, you know, if we're in the position to have programs or interventions or want to apply some solution to uh, an educational problem that we see, um, there is a, a way in which you can do that without um, pushback from the teachers or the administration. And typically, what teachers and administration want the most is communication. They want to be included in the decisions. Um, and having worked on both sides, um, teachers and administrators don't want people coming onto their campuses telling them what to do with their students whom they see and engage with every day. And so there are a lot of levels to um, engaging with institutions, engaging with leadership, engaging with uh, teachers um, in, certain, um, in, in certain school districts that serve certain student populations. And for those who have a passion to serve and those who want to help, um, the first thing in really addressing that issue is to acknowledge that there are some cultural differences that need to be um, addressed prior to just coming into an institution and implementing a program or an intervention. And I think that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, not to just toot our horn about EPRL, but that has been one of our calling cards, right? That not only did we just come into the school, but there was a relationship with the school. There was, um, you know, an established rapport with the institution that um, when there were, um, it, when we were in the planning phases of even implementing a program, they were included in those conversations and not just included, but a part of the conversation. They were a part of the solution and so I really think it starts there. Um, there are so many programs out there. There are so many people who want to get into schools, who want to do certain things. And then on the adverse, there are a lot of institutions and schools who see the first initial, you know, presentation and they're like, we don't want this here at our school. And it's not for any other reason other than there was just no communication. There was no acknowledgement of the culture or the student populations in which they serve. It was more so this top-down approach that we have this solution for a problem we know that you have, as opposed to going in and saying, you know, we've read some things about what the research has said, but we want to know what's going on with this school. What are the experiences that teachers have here? What can we do to better help you as opposed to we're coming in to help you, right? And so, and just even in that little minimal change in um, wordsmithing the question, it's just, a, it just takes on a whole different connotation, a whole different approach. And so uh, as an administrator, as an educator, um, you know, I have to 
make sure that I recognize that, that schools don't have to do these programs, that schools don't have to invite interventionists in, that schools, they don't have to do these things. But um, if the, the program administrator or the persons who want to implement these changes, uh, again, engage in the rapport, have the communication, involve that institution in whatever problem solving solution they have, I think they're more than likely to, um, you know, have success with implementation of whatever initiative they may have that will increase student success. Because at the end of the day, we're all fighting for the same thing. We all want the same goal, which is to make sure that our students get the best and that they're exposed to the good things in life and in professional world and, and that they, uh, you know, have the ability to know that whatever dreams they aspire to have, that they're able to achieve that. So we know ultimately we're all on the same page. But again, I think it really comes down to approach, intent, motive, all those types of things that really um, will drive a program into a school and will also help to drive a program out of the school. And so um, it, how do we, you know, ensure that our, our schools and our educators are, are getting all of this stuff? Well, again, I think it starts with educating the educator and then really making sure that whatever approach, um, you know, an educator or an administrator has and wants to implement, uh, you know, change within the school, that, that it's, it's culturally sensitive and that the community, um, i.e. that school community, is involved in the process. Thank you, Dr. Constant, and thank you again for joining us today on the Educational Disparities Podcast, and thank you also for sharing your perspective, your feedback, and advice. I think it was valuable and uh, knowledgeable, and I hope that it helped other educators to kind of do the work and get out there and learn more about themselves and learn more about how they affect these students um, in their classroom. Again, thank you. thank you for giving your advice on how we can move forward and closing the achievement gap. We really appreciate all, all of your feedback. Thank you again, Dr. Constant. It's no problem. Thank you for having me.